So we're going to pick up and we're going to redo just kind of the big picture of what, what you went through yesterday. We're going to take Lewis and Clark from Fort Mandan all the way to the end. We'll do it fairly quickly because uh, this is background for the other stuff that you're doing, right? Like background for the document analysis and all that other groovy stuff. Sound good? Okay. I guess it, it doesn't matter because that's what we're doing no matter what. Okay. So for starters, they're heading up the Missouri. So they leave Fort Mandan. They have a few other guides. The most famous, of course, is Sacagawea who technically, legally, isn't even their guide. She's just some lady who's coming along because she's the wife of um, Charbonneau, one of their guides. And of course, she's going to prove to be the single most important person on the entire expedition. We call it the Lewis and Clark Expedition. We should probably call it the Sacagawea Expedition because she's more important than Lewis and Clark maybe even put together. So. As, in terms of survival, in terms of what they bring back, not, not as much. Now, they're heading up the river. And so picture their boats, right? What are their boats like? Big. They've got that one ginormous boat they call the keel boat or the discover. Uh, the barge, they also call it that. And then they've got the pirogues, those little boats that they're bringing up. So they run into this, the thing you're seeing on your screen. You can imagine what their reaction was with this giant keelboat full of scientific like specimens. They're not going to get that up the falls. It doesn't matter how fast they can you picture them trying to be like a salmon like we're almost there. We'll get up the it's not going to work. <laughs> Challenge accepted. It's my new summer activity. Yeah, so they have to do, they call it portage. It doesn't matter if you remember the word or not. But what they do is they load the supplies they need into the pirogues and they carry them out and around. It's only about a mile, but have you ever had to haul a boat? Um, we have, in my family, we have two kayaks. Not that big, not that heavy, not that whatever. You pick them up, you're like, this is nothing. You haul them from up at the top of Willard Bay from the parking lot down to where the water actually is. And by the time you're down there, you're like, oh, someone please just, I don't want to be in the boat anymore. I just want to go home. Right? It's pretty far. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? You've done this. So imagine hauling boats full of supplies. A mile and a half is about the distance. 1.4 miles, if I remember correctly. I'm pretty sure I do. Up and around this Great Falls. So now they don't have their big boat. They just leave it with the supplies. and. Amazingly, um, nobody messes with it. Oh, I guess the natives of the area aren't as into vandalism as modern people are. I don't know. So they keep going. They start heading up the Rockies. Now, this is where I'm going to give you some background uh, that I left off your paper on accident, but you want to add it. Hey, um, the Spanish claimed this territory, right? And when France sold it, they lost it to France in this big thing that we're not going to go into. 
but they still, they didn't recognize that the United States had any right to it. And so when they hear Lewis and Clark are going, they understand correctly that that means that the U.S. is going to bolster their claim to this territory. So they sent four different military expeditions to try to intercept them and arrest them and bring them back to what's now Mexico in chains. Or just kill them. Preferably in chains, they like that idea. But, you know, murder is fine. The only reason Lewis and Clark we haven't heard this story, or Lewis and Clark didn't disappear, and we don't, no, we just didn't learn about them. It's because they never find them. The West is a really big place, and you think about four expeditions trying to find this one group of people going into the West, like, they never find them. They never find them, so Lewis and Clark, of course, are going to survive. So they're heading up the Rockies. They we're hoping that they're going to come over the mountain ridge and they're going to see the Columbia River. They'd explored the, the western coast of what's now the U.S., so they knew that there was a big river. They didn't know where it went to. Why were they hoping to see this? Good, yeah, this is their main goal. They were hoping to find a water route, maybe build a canal, not them, but send someone else out to build a canal and head all the way down. This is what they were hoping for. Of course, that's not what they see. Think back to some time you were just grossly disappointed. This is, this is how they felt. Like, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? There, not only is there no river, but it's just mountains and mountains and mountains as far as the eye can see. So what this means, the implication of this, is that there is not going to be a water route between the oceans. And as a matter of fact, there isn't one. It doesn't exist. Eventually they build the Panama Canal, that's the closest we get. But Lewis and Clark, they got nothing. Hey, so to do that, they're not taking boats through this. Like, that, that's just not useful. You know that scree that looks like little tiny pebbles? You know those are big old frickin' rocks. You've all been on our mountains, hopefully. Hopefully you've been that far. Um, so they know they need horses. They got to get there. So who has horses? The Shoshone. So they search all over for the Shoshone. When they finally encounter them, the Shoshone are not happy to see a group of about 40 armed people going through their territory. This is not something they want to see, so they arrest them. They're, that's not the right word. It's not like the Shoshone have police forces and, and jails, but uh, I don't know what the right word would be for gathering them up and holding them. What? Well, they capture them, but it's a little more involved than just capturing. Capture and hold? Detain, I like that word. It's a good word. Yeah, so they detain them. They're sitting there. So picture this moment. And most of you read about this yesterday, but it's still just such a good story. Picture this moment. Lewis and Clark and their people are sitting down on the ground just waiting for the Shoshone to decide what to do. They have several Shoshone speakers, so they know what they're saying. Uh, they're 
in there. The Shoshone are trying to decide whether to execute all of them just right now and just be done with it. Do we kill them? And that's kind of what they're leaning towards. Let's just... How's this? Let's just kill all of them and take all of their supplies. Sound good? The other... Yeah, yeah, that sounds really good. And finally, Sacagawea stands up. And do you remember what she says? Brother. Brother. Yeah, brother, do you not remember me? Do you not recognize me? And of course he doesn't because she was 12 when she was, when she was kidnapped. But it's her brother, the leader of that group that was holding them turned out to be Sacagawea's brother. And when she realizes who it is, she stands up. They have probably a touching reunion. We don't know exactly, but Lewis and Clark both wrote about their good fortune. They're going to get their horses. Yeah, of course, Sakagawea's brother is like, we can help you guys out. We're going to make sure that you manage to get where you need to go. And so they get the horses that they need to finish the trek over the mountains. Now, they go over the mountains, over the big tall part, you know, big tall part. By the way, it's totally a lie. That picture I keep showing you is of Colorado. But it was the best one I could find that showed the mountains into the distance. I need to go up there and take one myself. Uh, so they make dugout canoes. Anyone know how they make dugout canoes? No? Yeah? Yep, they take the big old tree trunk and they just hollow it out. They dig it out. That's why it's called a dugout. It's like not the most creative name ever, but it works. So they, they make these dugout canoes and they start taking them down the river. They reach this point. It's an old picture because now it's under a dam, so it's underwater. Um, they reach this point and the natives all gather on the sides to watch the white people drown. It's like a family picnic day. Um, none of them did. They all survived. They all, and so did their stuff. They made it over the falls just fine. People used to run them as rapids, but then they built a dam, so now they don't. And they make it all the way, all the way to the end. They see the Pacific. They're super excited. William Clark goes, finds this pine tree, this little pine tree. And he carves this. Can you see what it says? William Clark, good. 19th. 1805. You can't see the five. November 19th, 1805. Yeah, the, the 19th is the day of the month. Yeah, you're, you're, not, you're not losing it. See how it says 19 and then there's, there's not really a great comma, but then 18 and you can't read the rest. Yeah, okay. And then what did he say? By land from the United States. Those two words are the words you need to know best. By land. And we're going to talk later about why those matter. Uh, by the way, this is not the tree. The tree fell down. It should be BY, but spelling hadn't been standardized. So, yeah, it's not purchasing the land. Yeah, it is. It's so fake. It looks so much better because it's, it's made of bronze, actually. So, because when the original fell down, they, they did a statue of a tree with 
Clark's carving in it. There's actually a statue of Clark doing the carving, but this picture doesn't show the whole thing. Um, I should have got a, a different angle so you could see that. Google it when you have a sec. So they spend the winter, they're, they're going to build another fort. They decide to name it Fort Clatsop, but there's a little debate about where they're going to go. Now, the thing is, this is a military expedition, but they all respect each other enough that Lewis and Clark actually call for a vote about whether they're going to start heading back. Are they going to build over here? Are they going to build over here? And here's why that's significant. They give a vote to every member of the expedition. Including who? Including Sacagawea, so it's the first time a woman in recorded U.S. history has a chance to vote. Who else? You might not notice this one. Clark has a slave named York. York, a black man, has the chance to vote. They also have some Frenchmen, some native people, so everybody gets a chance to vote. Well, everybody, that's a lie. John Baptiste does not get a vote. And neither does Seaman, Lewis's dog. <laughs> Lewis had a dog the whole time. You could see it. His name was Seaman, like uh, the sea people, the navy people. I don't. Why wouldn't you bring your dog on an expedition? I totally bring my dog. Why didn't I tell you Lewis brought his dog? Because I forgot. I just forgot to mention the dog. I don't remember what kind of dog it was. <laughs> a golden doodle. I liked it. It was a big dog. A big beastly dog. Yeah, so he has his dog he takes with him. They do. The dog doesn't get a vote. The baby doesn't. And that's pretty significant. So they winter there. It's now 1806. In 1806, they start heading back. Look at the map, what do you notice? Idaho. <laughs> What's different on the way back than on the way there? Good. Good, what else? They split up. Excellent, they want to see a little more of the territory. So on the way back, Lewis takes a shortcut. And then Clark takes a different shortcut. Clark ends up going down the Yellowstone River, although if you look closely, not in what's now Yellowstone. So he doesn't get to see that really cool canyon, but he sees some other cool things. Lewis makes it almost to Canada. Explores a different river. Now, they get home in September 1806. How come it only took them part of the time? There's really two reasons. Why, why, why were they so much faster on the return? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. They're going downriver. And so, of course, it's going to be faster. They're just in their boats and like, oh, this is nice. Yeah. Yes. So keep... Keep going here. They have to record every little thing. So why is it faster on the way back? They already recorded all the little things. Yeah, they knew where they were going. So they, they don't have to re-record everything. Cameron, you're a genius, by the way. They don't have to re-record all the little spots on the map. They get to just uh, 
kind of enjoy the sailing. Now, I told you at the beginning why we spent so much time on this, why, why it was significant here. It's because I wanted to give you a few related documents to give you some practice with. I wanted you to practice with some historical questions, and we've done those things. But why is it important in the whole? Why does it really matter? Uh, I'm going to give you a whole bunch of reasons. The first one is this is the beginning of the expansion into the West. We talked about the frontier going over the Appalachians or whatever, but the West is a geographic region, the U.S. west of the Mississippi, the part of the U.S. where we live. This is the beginning. This is the beginning of that expansion. Now, whether you see that as a positive or negative really depends on your point of view, maybe who your ancestors are. I know for a lot of you in here, you have both native and uh, European ancestors, and so you wouldn't exist. So that hopefully you see the significance in you existing. If not, we need, a, we need to have a conversation. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Uh, other people come. Jim Bridger, Jedediah Smith, John C. Fremont, they hear about this expedition. They think it's cool, and they want to be explorers too inspires this whole generation of people to come west also. Now, Lewis and Clark were not the first people to come over. They weren't the first people to go all the way across. They just did it in such a way that it was able to inspire everyone else. They recorded their information so much, which gets us to this one. Their maps. You've seen old-timey maps that are crappy, that end with something like, here there be dragons, or whatever. But if you look at this one closely, if we put this into a modern geographic information system and compared it to a modern map, we would know exactly where we were. Their maps are well made. And future settlers, future explorers, they all use these maps. The U.S. is sometimes described as a melting pot or a tossed salad where people from lots of different backgrounds come together and we're stronger for it. Like we wouldn't have won World War II without the help of groups like the Navajo Code Talkers, the African Americans that fought, uh, the, the Tuskegee Airmen, and, and everyone all mixed together. So this shows the value of that. So yeah, we've got a whole bunch of white guys, but we also have a whole bunch of other people, including a who's both native and a woman. York, who we talked about, but we have some others we haven't mentioned. Their entertainment was provided by Pierre Crizal. Uh, he was half French and half Omaha. He was another one of their guides. He only had one eye. He played the fiddle to entertain them at night. Those two things are not related. I just, if you want to get better at the fiddle, don't like lose an eye. <laughs> Crawford said, uh, George Drillard, who was a Shawnee, they picked him up at Fort Mandan, too. He did a lot of the translations because he was really fluent in both English and French. John Potts was German. He wasn't an American. He was a private in the Army. 
Um, Charbonneau, of course, Jean-Baptiste, the baby, was half Shoshone, half French. And then tons of other native women helped them out, fixed their clothes, um, traded with them, did all the kind of stuff. They wouldn't have made it without all these different people. And that kind of shows something about us. Science. They made tons of scientific discoveries. 122 new species, including some that we know really Dogs. When they wrote about prairie dogs, it really stood out to them. They're like, these animals live in family groups. It's so weird. They live in communities. They're like people, but they're like the most annoying creatures you've ever heard in your life. They're standing up and barking, so yeah, they're kind of like people. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, Lewis got chased by a grizzly once. Yeah, he, he ran up a tree, and it was pretty good. Uh, all of these different countries claimed that space. So looking at that map, you see where it says uh, heart of the controversy. That, that's the land. It's claimed by England because they'd been here and they'd done some scouting and stuff. It was claimed by the United States, of course. It was also claimed by Spain uh, and then later Mexico. And it was claimed by Russia even. But who gets it? Us, in large part because of this, those two words that Clark wrote, by land. That's what bolstered our claim to it. When we say, hey, this is ours, we're like, we went there by land. You guys just sailed by it. You don't count. We count. And that works. So what's now Washington is part of the United States. Good questions?